Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm Glossy Senior Reporter Hilary Milnes, and with me this week is Ferdinando Verderi, co-founder of the creative agency Johannes Leonardo. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So I want to start with um, your work, obviously, with, with fashion brands. You're sitting on the agency side, uh, which, which I think makes for, for great conversation for these types of podcasts. Uh, I want to hear, first of all, how do you get fashion brands to to take risks? Do you find that there's a you know a, a moment where you're working with the brands where you kind of have to shake them out of of what they're used to to, to get them to try something new? Um, it's interesting. So when we started agency in 2007, it was a very critical point for the industry, not only fashion but the whole industry, and uh, the sort of digital revolution was changing the relationship between brands and consumers. So um, in the non-fashion world, the the conversation was was happening around um, how to take risks that acknowledge these new dynamics. Um, and when I joined the agency, obviously my vision was already to create this type of work for the fashion and luxury industry. It took, a, it took a long time for this industry to, um, to sort of be ready to, to understand this type of uh, um, behavior. That being said, I haven't had particular challenges to convince clients because I feel like when a client comes to me for a certain type of work, they are predisposed to some sort of disruptive thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think that's really like the, the, the perspective from my side. But I can see the industry is obviously resistant to change because it's based on a model that was established, which is the one of you know, exclusivity and desire, which is established you know, through decades of uh, um, a very static sort of behavior which is there for a reason. It's not just all wrong. So I am. Uh, I am. Um, I think the interesting part of this conversation is not only how to disrupt it, but really how to disrupt it, making sure that um, the, the, the the desire component is there. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think that that the desire component is, is something different today than it was ten years, twenty years ago, um, when you're putting it in like a digital setting? Well, it's a difficult question, but. The whole idea of luxury and exclusivity is based on a certain distance. The whole digital world is based on a certain on reducing that distance. It looks like now it just feels like you intimately know everyone you follow. Um, there is that very strong perception of reducing the distance, whether it's for brand or for individual. So it is a like a like big dichotomy that that needs to be sorted between the idea of distance and the idea of really like approachability that the digital world is all based about and access. So uh, I do think there are solutions for it, um, but uh, definitely the idea of luxury is changing, but not only because of the digital world, is m- more so changing because we change as a result of everything that's happening in the world. Right, so that, that I'm not, I've never there. been really concerned about how the digital world would affect luxury. I would be more concerned about how are we as human are, pers- are affected by the digital world in our day-to-day lives and how that is going to ultimately result in a different idea of luxury. That's interesting. How do you think that, um, you know, a different approach to 
to luxury on the on the consumer behavior side obviously you know it's it's been beaten to, into our heads like oh millennials aren't buying you know luxury anymore they're they're spending their money elsewhere uh is that is that concerning to to the brands and 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 you know how do you then rethink like okay well what does that mean for us like what is the experience there i think it's actually i mean it might be concerning to some but i think it's actually very interesting and a great opportunity it's clear that um the world today is is um the experiences have become social currency so it's clear that people prefer uh investing in in moments than in things mm-hmm. and i to be honest i think it's a good thing so i think it's about you know acknowledging this change and being able to to do something about it to create around this new idea uh, and obviously for me it's just it's just interesting. It's a it's a great challenge. So I feel like a good example of, of what you're talking about is in rethinking the luxury experience and how you interact with customers is is what you guys have done with with Alexander Wang and Adidas. So do you want to explain like how that came together? And and you mentioned um, you know, the brands that, that seek you guys out are the ones who are looking for that different experience. And so is that kind of how the how it started? Yeah, I think it's a great it's a great example of something of an experience leading um, a moment versus uh, an object leading a moment. So it was based on an experience, on a moment on the street that uh, people would actually live and uh, that would remember and they would share and that would post. And um, and um, there was not much tangible in that moment, but the fact of being there and being able to live it. Yeah, and I think that that's what people are looking for today. Um, and, and you know, because you're there in the moment, but then there's also that social currency that comes out of it. You mentioned yourself, like you can post about it, you can sort of, you know, so it, it spreads beyond the people who happened across it. Um, how did that warming up to this idea that, that social media is such a important place for the brand to be? Do you th- Have you, you know, seen that sort of recognition coming across the industry where like this can actually do a lot for the brand? Yeah, I think all these me- you know, media, like social media, digital media, everything, and the conversation has evolved in the last 10 years. And, you know, there's always sort of like a different subject to the same topic, really. They're just media. So I think we should not and brands should not be distracted by, um, you know, how to say something, but, but they should they really focus on what to say first. In this case, social media, obviously, like we were talking about Instagram and the ability to share moments, uh, yeah, massively important. They massively shape the way, you know, we we, we conceive experience, and uh, uh, not only in a positive way. I think I think also in a way that sometimes it's difficult to manage for brands. When it comes to the brands actually being on it themselves, I think the conversation is um, is really different. You know, for every brand, every brand has a personality, every brand has a, a point of view, and I think. How to behave, it really should be 100% depending on the point of view of this brand. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think, you know, there's obviously uh, the pros and cons of of Instagram, social media, all of it um, to get into. But I think one of the cons is that this Instagram look, this very singular aesthetic has really swept not not luxury alone, but just fashion and, and the visual industry. It's it's very much you you know it when you see it at the Instagram curated post. You know, do you think as a as someone working in a creative agency, do you think that that is that, you know, how do you not fall into those traps of just like, okay, this is what everyone else is doing. This is what people expect to see now. Like, how do you keep pushing the limits in, in, a, in a medium like that? We're quite lucky because we... 
we work with brands that have a sense of sort of leadership in what they do. And so it doesn't matter. It's not only about the scale, but it's really about the position they have in their industry. So, I mean, obviously, we never are in conversation in which brands do something because someone else has done it before. Um, I'm sure there are those conversations as well, and I would be very firm advising never to follow what anyone else does. So how did you guys establish this relationship in the industry that is that is like, okay, if you want to try something different, come to us? I think simply by being devoted to to innovation and to newness, not so much technical innovation, but really like to trying to push things forward. I feel like after after you know there's not much positioning uh, strategy there's very much the intention to only do things that actually we're very interested in and so we end up being interested in things that somehow at least me personally end up being interested in things that push things forward that break some boundaries um, and um, that means something to the way you know ideas are are really utilized by this industry. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I love fashion and the luxury industry, but I also feel the responsibility to bring a contribution to it that is not just repeating what someone else has done. Uh, especially coming, f- you know, being basically like um, part of a new generation that um, um, has looked up to the way things were done before, but it was a different time. And now um, it's really... I think our responsibility to just break things up a bit and uh, but not just for the sake of it at all really f- to acknowledge to, to respect the way the world is uh, is behaving and, and so that's interesting because you know looking across mediums and where you can disperse your we talked about instagram obviously you guys have done video where's the where does print fit into that when you know when thinking about where well, where the I'm industry goes i'm a huge fan of print and i think actually that's one of the most interesting transformation that has happened is the repositioning of the role of print media. Uh, I am. I always thought that these traditional media would be, you know, just they're just having. They're they're not that at all. They're just having a a complete repositioning, uh, which is a tricky thing to handle because you can't just assume that print is as relevant as before in the same way. It might be even more relevant, but in completely different ways. Um, I mean, look at living in New York City. The all the advertisement, all the messages that we're surrounded by on the street are arguably the most relevant one in our day to day. We just see them, we we love them, we take pictures of them, um, and uh, they are the most traditional media ever. They probably existed a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. I just love how traditional media can evolve, and I actually have a a very strong passion for the editorial industry and for my own personal sort of like career and um, and you know. Mm, work that I've done, I, I'm very familiar with uh, the challenges that this industry in uh, is facing. Um, when it comes to huge corporations, to small publishers, the challenges are the same. And um, and I find it super fascinating because I, I deeply believe in the role of the editorial point of view and even, even in the role of print. And uh, um, I'm just fascinated by challenges. So I guess that it's at the core of why I think it's so interesting now to kind of reinvent the future of uh, that industry. So, do you think about the the future of print? Then, where is it? Do you think that because you know, still, it's hard to think of the the younger generations coming up and you know who have their phones in front of their faces of them. Maybe maybe there's a subset that'll find the value in in, in print um, in magazines. Um, let's focus on that. But 
there's not going, we're not going to see that readership again. So how do you, how do you reconsider what the, what um, the future of print is and, and how you innovate in that space? Yeah, I think it's about completely changing the, um, the definition of success in that, in that space. And uh, if before readership and amount of readership was the sort of the target and the, the way people would compare each other's strength, I think it's going to be a completely different way to measure success. Um, but then that's what makes it interesting. I think we need to sort of crack a new code. Um, just like it happened when the whole digital revolution was up. I remember something I didn't work on, but that I brought as an example once in those years was the Prada Marfa store they did in the desert. Um, and um, obviously that's a digital idea, although it's a, it's really like a, a little building in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I feel like the reason why it's, a, it's going to be considered a digital idea is because the amount of people who saw it online is can't compare to the, the few people who saw it in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think it's just an example to to understand how the digital conversation is repositioning everything and with it, the way we need to judge the success of things. Uh, I agree there's not going to be the same amount of readership, but maybe its relevance is going to to be active in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so right now, how do you measure success across channels? Say if there's you know, a, a video that's released or um, uh, an event that, that has like a social hashtag versus a print, a print spread, you know, how do you look at success? Um, I'm not a big believer in isolating success from, from its context and, um, and sort of like just like looking at narrow um, metrics. Uh, I think there are things that are made to speak to certain type of people. There are things that are made to speak to certain other type of people. It's about it's about being surrounded by the voice of the brand, whether it comes from something that you notice with the tail of your eye or whether it's something completely in your face, um, whether it's something that some people see or something that's a completely different type of people see. I think um, the way we work, at least, is never about the singular asset. It's more about the path of a brand. Sometimes success is sales. Sometimes success is a better understanding of a point of view. Uh, Sometimes success is really um, just an emotional thing that changes perception but it's hard to to quantify that being said we we do our due diligence and uh, um, clearly when the superstar campaign we did for adidas um, resulted into superstar being the most sold shoe of the year um, we knew that it wasn't just all about the campaign there was lots of other factors involved we consider a whole amount of um, variables that impacted that and um, we don't you don't just like to just like equate one thing to another um, with a sort of like a mar- narrow-minded approach. Mm-hmm. So you didn't say the word that, but where do influencers fit in in that for you guys? Um, okay, let's talk about Adidas. For example, I think of Adidas as a community, not so much as a brand. And a community made of obviously influencers, creators, designers, um, and even our audience. We treat our audience as creators. And so in a way you see no difference between the most famous influencers, the most, you know, and the, and the newest, you know, member of the audience because um, they are connected by a state of mind. So the way at originals, we look at uh, this conversation, it's about really remembering that um, 
we're part of a there's a community uh, that is there's a shared mindset and it's not a hierarchical approach about who's more famous who's not. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that that's that's interesting because people don't always think about like the influencer they don't take it that seriously all the time but when you're when you're working with brands it's obviously this you want to tap into it to a community and so you know where do you think is the best place to do that is it on social media or where else i think you have to be a community before tapping into one mm-hmm. um i think um it's a very important distinction you have to behave like one you have to um or you know live by the rule of one which are very tough to be a community, you have a, to have a, to have a very clear point of view, a very clear common uh, belief, and uh, sometimes a very clear enemy. And we're not talking about enemy as a competitor, but enemy as like some sort of status quo that you want to challenge. Um, for originals, this is very clear. So, what what would a brand do if they if they you know didn't have access to that? I think that's that's a really interesting idea. Is that you you can't just sort of buy buy your way into into a group of people or a mindset. So you know where where does the industry go from there if if you are sort of on the outside do you think that's why we're seeing like so many brands struggle today that sort of existed well before and now they're like uh oh like backtrack <laughs> no i think every brand is a community it just they just need to be honest about which community they are mm. and uh i think they need to be they need to be sort of um insightful about what it means to be a community and uh try to live by the rules and the first thing obviously is to articulate those rules and to understand them that's probably the most difficult things to distill the reason why the community around any brand exists and uh, is attracted to to being a part of it um it's obviously the most important thing mm-hmm. uh, i think once there's that clarity every brand can be you know as already a community even if you have two customers you you know you're like a community because because you obviously are you know attracting people with a shared mindset Mm -hmm. um i just don't think enough brand put importance into that mindset they just they just like put importance into the products and uh as a consequence these conversations are not really happening and uh this sort of like gut check of you know what are we really about doesn't happen as often as it should be obviously everyone speaks about strategy and uh you know the dna and all these things but those conversations are often treated in a very superficial way and with not enough sort of like intuition behind it. Um, data sometimes are very helpful, but they are only a half part of the equation. Intuition itself is also very helpful, but it's also another just part of the equation. So um, there needs to be some sort of like uh, discipline around uh, this, um, this conversation that I think would help any brand. So do you think that, that luxury and fashion brands, are they do they have the right grasp on, on data? Like what, what type of customer data is, is important in you know, the work that you do? I think data is a, is a bad word, but I do think um, it's important to, to be able to learn and that may be data, data as well, um, to be able to learn so that you can free up, you can support uh, creativity and decision-making that allows for some rules to be broken. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are data that support that mm-hmm. um, and maybe they are the data that no one wants to look at but um, I would just be very critical in how these numbers are looked at because they often inspire conservative thinking but I'm sure that there's enough of them to insp- that can inspire groundbreaking thinking as well right there's always an outlier so <laughs> yeah and I'm sure that, that if you look at uh, how things haven't changed that should be enough to inspire you know 
some change. Um, and obviously, there's a security in repeating patterns and repeating things that is just, you know, it's human behavior, but there's also a risk with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we were saying before, I think the risk is to, um, you know, n- to remain the same when times are changing. You're basically changing, even if you don't realize it. Um, in order to remain the same when everything else is changed, you also need to change and evolve. Mm-hmm. So, over the past 10 years, how would you say the fashion industry um, and the luxury industry has changed the most? And, and how have you sort of adapted along with that um, or even led that change? Well, I think that one massive change is the role of the editorial world into, into that system. Um, and that's just one of the changes that have sort of provoked uh, sort of a collapse of the status quo. And... Uh, I feel like that has allowed trust in uh, in new ideas, in new ways of doing things, and maybe not the need yet, but I think soon also the need to to just sort of like think things that think differently. Uh, it was a whole industry based on presence and you know being present in uh, on a page, being present on a billboard, and being sort of like uh, ubiquitous somehow with with your media. And today um, that doesn't work anymore. Obviously the it's uh, things that you know the, the audience is choosing what to be engaged with and choosing what to to look at. So you, there's no such thing as an ad that you can you know you're hit with 20 times a day on TV uh, that you learn to love. Today it's, it's already enough if you are interested enough to see something once, and it's also an exception if you want to watch it twice. So that the whole conversation brings the you know shift the interest on really the ideas and creativity uh, and less so on the power of being present and of sort of like being everywhere. So um, I think uh, it has moved the the investments more toward where it should be, which is um, you know the, the idea side of things. And it is provoking a change in how brands behave. I think that's, that, that's totally true because you used to be able to, to, okay, I'm going to put my ad in XXX magazine. I'm going to get a billboard here. I'm going to open stores in every suburb. And, and that meant, okay, success because you were accessible and there and people knew, you know, what they were getting. And, and that, that rule book seems to have been like totally tossed out. Um, and brands, I, I think the biggest change over the past 10 years is that brands need to do everything now. You can't just sell clothing. You have to be a storyteller. You have to have your social media strategy and the sheer content that you have to produce is, is you know, like you said, you used to have an ad that you put out what, four times a year and now you have to post on Instagram, other social media platforms X times a day. How has that changed your job? I mean, to be honest, I came into the conversation when this was a, a fact. Uh, so it hasn't really changed my job. It probably has given me uh, opportunities. Uh, I I am native to native to this way of thinking. So for me, the brand is really like an artist that expresses itself in a in a number of different ways, um, and that's why I think you know there's a there's a sort of like an importance in brand that um, transcends the product. Um, so for me, this is really like. A natural way of thinking and uh, the idea of having to produce a lot is not something I really share because I know that it's an obsession of lots of brands but I just feel I just feel uncomfortable with the fact with anything that feels like 
needs to be done. I don't think that brand need to produce a lot. I think there are lots of opportunities for brand to be present, but also lots of opportunities for brand to be silent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's not enough people thinking that way. And so we are overwhelmed by meaningless messages, while I think sometimes absence is more powerful than presence. Absolutely. I mean, even you just think of how crowded and, and noisy the the market is. That's that's one hundred percent true. And so, do you see there being like a shakeout in that in that type of messaging where it's just sort of like, okay, we have our scheduled posts for the day, and and so that's what we do, and you know, or it's going to yeah, always I don't be there. In that. Yeah, I don't believe in that way of thinking. That um, sort of like is already is already a slave of of itself. Uh, I think. Uh, I mean, the music industry is always teaching us stuff from the way we, for example, dropped that Alison Wang Adidas collection. It's a very common practice in music without announcing it. It's just like dropping, dropping, mm-hmm. you know, yep. from, from a day to the other. The same the same with uh, sort of like staying silent, like an artist not publishing an album for a while and right. kind Builds, of like people yeah. waiting for it even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really believe in this uh, slave, slavery towards the, the media consumption mm-hmm. world that brands have sort of imposed on themselves. But I do think that if they don't publish, they obviously need to have a plan. And and so as much as if they publish. So my answer will always be the same to any question that sort of involves some sort of decision making, which is um, just being very true to what you're, you know, what you're about. Mm-hmm. And that thing you're about it's a very hard thing to to understand for anyone right do you think that it's almost a good thing if a brand can't very easily put into words um you know who they are and what they do and, and what their their core message is well that's an interesting it's an interesting question I, I i thought a lot about that during the first year of the agency when we were collaborating closely with chanel um there is an intangible quality to brands that can't be put into words um, and some brands have existed for so long and they have been relevant to so many generations that the the conversation become even more complex that being said i think it's uh, always a relevant or at least interesting exercise to try to focus the the why of the brand in a way the the positioning in the world because for sure the original creator whether it's alive or whether it's not there anymore, has had a vision that was very single-minded. Mm-hmm. That's what allows to make choices. That's what allows to, um, you know, to create this, to make these brands eternal in a way, as some of them we're talking about are. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to what you were saying about, okay, if you if you incite a feeling in people, you will make sales, but you can't like just set out to make sales. If you know what your message is, you will incite that feeling. And so it's kind of like a like a cyclical message. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I mean look, I'm not I think it works as you say it as well, but I'm not thinking even about messaging. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about really more like a reason to be. Mm-hmm. So and also sounds like what you're saying is a lot um comes to mind the conversation that has been happening in 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 fashion right now is how much luxury today is influenced by streetwear. Uh do you think that there there is that that relationship there and that there that they have kind of you know, figured out this way to connect with, with customers in a way that obviously I mean, you don't really see that happening in, in luxury the way that it does happen when there's like a rare streetwear brand product drop. I think the interesting thing about streetwear brand is that they are allowing themselves to think as small brand very often. And sometimes with big corporation, they are actually thinking that big corporation. One thing with originals that we 
never try to forget, which is something that Allegra here, who's the leader of the originals marketing, brings up, uh, is to, to really challenge yourself to think as a small brand. Because I feel like that's uh, where you, reducing your scale, um, at least in the way you think, you can truly connect with, uh, with the community. You are, you exist at the same level. Uh, that's what I think street or brand have um, as a huge advantage. Sometimes they really start from a, a small community of people, that it's an honest community of people and uh, uh, have a very precise way of doing things that doesn't even need to be translated because it's so obvious to those few who, who actually run it mm-hmm. and um, and just able to think small. Right, and, and that's a, it, it has its, its pros and its cons because if you sort of try to reach beyond that because you are a, a studio brand who's starting to scale and, and starting to be recognized outside of that community, you're, 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 you can be shunned pretty quickly. Yeah, I think for streetwear, and it's interesting for us, streetwear is uh, a lot about the idea of authenticity um, that it's a very severe sort of notion because mm-hmm. the, the audience today is really, is really sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think you c- there's not really a shortcut. Like when you're talking about communities, you can't really tap into a community. You really have to be a community. And and same for streetwear. You can't really fake it. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to go back to your to your comment about how you don't believe in the idea of, of feeding this, this social media machine with, with so many posts per day because people just don't really, they shouldn't need to be beat over the head with, with the, you know, a message from a brand. Um, do, what do you, does that mindset relate to the fashion show? Uh, you know, and, and when you see this uh, persisting cycle of, okay, brands have to show here, 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 this many times a year, and then they do this in between seasons. And, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that that's sort of yeah, on I the think line? It's, it's, it's definitely something that, first of all, I don't think it's bad to be present. I just don't think it's an absolute need. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to be a choice. And if someone wants to be present with like 5,000 posts a day, I think that could actually be quite a creative way to do things. But um, there needs to be a reason why everything is done. I don't, I don't think anyone should do anything because it's needed. I mm-hmm. think that translates into an insecurity that uh, is not contributing to the conversation and consumers or the audience pick up and it's... Uh, it's not, it's not inspiring to anyone. Mm-hmm. But I do think that yes, similarly for for the fashion calendar, there have been people who have broken the rules. Um, I would say finally for the sake of their own schedule, right? Uh, their own sanity. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I think anything that breaks a preconceived notion of what should be done, it's uh, has a positive impact. It mm-hmm. shakes the system. It does allow for more fresh thinking. And it questions the, the status quo. Mm-hmm. And we're almost out of time, um, but I do want to ask if you could share any brands that you that you don't work with right now that that you think are doing a good job of, of thinking outside of the box and breaking the status quo, whether that that is um, in terms of their their marketing and advertising or their uh, you know their their cycle in the fashion calendar. Well, I think what Balenciaga is doing today is um, is very much in line with you know the freedom of shaping you know certain norms that haven't been. That haven't been broken for a while, mm-hmm. and I I really think it's uh, relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think more more luxury brands uh, with that with that heritage can do more to sort of lead the example. Yeah, I think um, with heritage or without heritage, because I feel like what heritage has is really the memory of like a, an amazing creator. Um, but sometimes the creator is actually alive and in his twenties, mm-hmm. so I don't see the difference in. Uh, 
the relevance of the of the two. Obviously, there is a big difference in the way the industry perceives a brand with heritage and a brand, you know, started by someone in his twenties who's who's alive. But I feel like the um, the conversation is really that the opportunities and the duties to to provoke change are not only on the heritage side of things mm-hmm. absolutely um well great well thank you so much fernando for joining us that's all the time um and thank you for listening we'll be back next week with another episode and in the meantime be sure to follow us on itunes stitcher and google play and leave us any feedback you have bye